Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward Podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right, tonight we are with Nate and Bethany. Well, we're going to clear this once and for all. (laughs) Yeah. Because so many uh, in the ward struggle with this. And the reason I know that is because I hear it both ways all the time. We're going to let you guys, once and for all, clarify on how to pronounce your last name, Nate. Collister. Collister. C-A-L-L. Yeah, Just like, yeah. give me a call, right? Yeah. And you yeah. think California, 1L, right? California. And so, you know. if, if someone says Callister, does that make you like... Ugh. No, I grew up, most people... Called me Nate Callister, and I just got used to it. Bethany's more sensitive to it than I am. I just wasn't used to having my last name mispronounced. I'm an Anderson by <laughs> okay. birth. Nobody mis- mispronounces Anderson, so it was weird all of a sudden. Yeah, that's true. You know, that was, I don't know that it bothered me, but I corrected it. I did correct it. Yeah, well, we know. we'll know who's not listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's true. That's true. a lot of people. Test them, test them. <laughs> not that uh, it's a requirement, but <laughs> it should be. Uh, well, it's good to be here in this beautiful yeah, remodeled home. This is where oh, the lawmakers used to be. And the Castletons. And the Castletons. Yes. Both huge families, by the yeah. way. And yeah. Now, we're, we're one of the smaller families. Yeah, to be. yours is actually. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. And it is. Eight kids. And Gary, we feel small. Explain the house and how awesome. It's different, but it's beautiful. It's all open and new. It's lovely. Yeah, it's isn't it? Beautiful. Oh, thanks. Love it. Yeah, it's just You've modern. Nice and, and I, you even get a view. Yeah. If the guy, if the guy oh behind you would trim his trees, it'd be better. <laughs> or tear down the whole house. Just kidding. No, we love, we, that we, we love to be able to see the Slade's house. Yeah, I live, that's me. That's the me. Slade's I live. Back We're there. neighbors. He does backyard, backyard flowers, by the way, yeah. every Sunday that are, or every summer that are just gorgeous. Yeah, we do a lot of yeah. yard work yeah. stuff. So. Do you see Beautiful. the cougar? On video, Tyler yeah. sent us Yeah, we weren't, we weren't living yeah. here yet, but yeah. oh, okay. We've had some more, but I've had to keep it quiet. Oh. Oh, really? I don't think my kids listen to this podcast, so I can maybe <laughs> yeah. tell do them. Do they get scared? There's been, yeah, I can't. Oh, okay. I can't go there anymore. Okay. I oh, but you a, got it on video? A seven-year-old is not. Okay. At that okay. point. <laughs> you had, gotcha. Since we've, we've, yes. we've lived here? In no, the last need... month. Really? Yeah. On video? Mm-hmm. All right, can you show it? Show oh, us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good <laughs> thing this is, a, this but, is good but, stuff. So if you want to see it, then you're listening to this podcast. Again, we'll know you're listening. You just come and tap me on the shoulder at church. I'll pull it up. But anyways, it's great to be here. We'll start out with getting to know. Let's start with Bethany. Bethany, why don't you uh, explain to the listeners a little bit about uh, where you know your your story, where you came from, where you were born, raised, and and give us a little bit. Born in Provo, Utah. Lived there for probably a whopping 14 months or something like that before my family moved to Oklahoma. We lived in Norman, Oklahoma while my dad did his master's program. And then we moved to the Chicago area, lived there for a few years uh, in a couple houses. And then we moved to Las Vegas when I was in first grade. And uh, when my parents told me we were moving to Las Vegas, we'd moved enough that I knew I hated moving. And I never wanted to do it again, but we did. We moved to Las Vegas. 
And I ended up graduating from high school in Las Vegas. We lived in a few houses, but those were pretty minimal moves. And I, so I grew up in Las Vegas. Las I really Vegas. grew up in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is home. Yeah, yeah, from first grade to my senior year. So we got married in the Las Vegas temple there. I have no more roots there anymore. Everybody's left, but that was that so was So how'd home. you meet Nate? BYU. At BYU? Yeah. I was going to say Las Vegas. Yeah. No, he liked to tell <laughs> people tell that. that. <laughs> he would tell people that, but no, we didn't. <laughs> okay, so you met at BYU. Yes. All right. Yes. And so high school, why in Vegas? I know a few of them. Which high school were you in Vegas? I went to Clark High okay. for a, a year. I did a junior high, was 7th, 8th, ninth, and then I did my sophomore year at Clark High School. That was a big, old high school. And, but I graduated from Cimarron, which was a newer high school okay, at Cimarron. that time. Mm-hmm. Nate, how about you? Where are you from? Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California. So cowboy. Glendale, which is not far, too far from Pasadena area. Uh, went to Glendale High School, which is the same high school my father went to. Oh, wow. And John Wayne. Yep. It's John Wayne Airport. Yeah. Right there. No yeah. way. So, in no fact, way. I played high school football. And uh, in the locker room, I don't know if they have it anymore, but in the locker room, they would have all of the, you know, they didn't have all state. They had what was called all, all CF at the time. Um, all the kind of the legendary pictures of the football players that had gone there. And, and John Wayne was an incredible football player. I actually played at USC, but he was on our kind of Hall of Fame wall in our locker room, which was kind of, which was kind of cool. So, yeah, I went to um, Glendale High School. Um, Are you on there now? What's that? I did not make the wall. <laughs> I was hoping you I would you ask did. that part. I was hoping people, so would just, <laughs> people would just infer that I was on the wall, but I wasn't. Thanks, Gary. Thanks Sorry. a lot. Yeah. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> yeah, edit that out later. Uh, ended up at BYU, and uh, like Beth said, we, we met at BYU. Um, Can you tell us a little bit how you, yeah. how you ran into each other? Yeah. So we had uh, – was, I was off my mission – so I just got off my mission, and we really oh, had a lot of... you where you went. Where'd you go? Yeah, I went to uh, Samara, Russia. What? So it was 93, 95. We were Why really the first, know this? first group called uh, that part of Russia. There were other missionaries um, in Moscow and Petersburg, but we were the first group called to Samara. Um, and I lived in two cities, Samara and Saratov. There's a movie, a decent movie out called The Saratov Approach, about two missionaries that were... Uh, held for ransom, mm-hmm. uh, abducted, and that was um, I've seen that. in my mission. It was after my mission, so I didn't. It was a couple of years after my mission, but I lived in that city for a number of years. But um, was so, it all Russian speaking there? Yeah, all Russian speaking. Yeah, it was a great. I mean, just a great mission. Great. So the church was just starting. So young there. Yeah. So you think ninety three, ninety five, not too long after. Perestroika and Glasnost and all those. those Give us an idea there. of like the branch of how many people would show up on Sunday. Yeah, so when I so Moscow and Petersburg probably had more. I just wasn't. I didn't know. But in in my city, there was uh, we we only had um, maybe two or three members. We met in a uh, movie theater. You know, there were obviously there, we didn't have church access to you know churches there. So we had we would just find like a kindergarten or or a movie theater, and we would just find people and um you know the focus initially was on finding priesthood um because it was not hard to get a lot of young women there yeah they were fascinated with the american missionaries and so it wasn't uncommon to have maybe 20 young women there um but uh yeah it was a great mission the emphasis was finding priesthood yeah not easy but it grew quite a bit i think i felt like when we left 
um, you know, we maybe had a hundred or so, you know, attending wow. some of these, you know, not, not all the members, but, you know, consistently, I'd say 70 to a hundred attending these, um, branches or groups. So were you just in those two areas, the whole mission? Yeah, I was in those two cities and then we would open up new missions. I, I never ended up, but you'd, you know, you opened up, you know, at the time there was one, uh, Ufa and then a couple different ones that, that opened up. Um, how was the language? Did you, were you able to pick it up or? Yeah, it was, it was really frustrating. Like the first four months I got to, so when I got to Russia, you think, you know, California kid, I actually had a visa issue. So I was in San Francisco for four months, mm. which is a whole different wild experience. And they had four Russian speaking missionaries on, with visa issues. And they put us in downtown San Francisco. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's similar. And they said, look, we've never had Russian speaking missionaries. And there's a lot of Russians here, and there were. Really? Uh, they had a lot of media referrals, like, and they just put us together as greenies and put us in the Tenderloin District, which was one of the seediest areas I've ever, way more dangerous than any spot of Russia. And they just said, find Russians and just get them, get, get a branch going. And so we, we found quite a few Russians, and then, and we didn't know if we were going to be there a month or our whole mission. And then I got sent to, I got sent to Russia Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. And so um, it was hard adjustment because it was coming from California. Um, and they told us, you know, initially we were planning to get to Russia in the summer. And then, like, you can buy all your winter stuff in Russia so you don't stand out too much. I didn't have any of that stuff. Yeah. And it was really only had, like, 48-hour notice before I went. So I got there. My first winter, it was 40 below. And all I had was, like, a Mr. Mac rain jacket. <laughs> and my companion was like... Well, we can't go shopping until P Day, and we were like five days away from P Day. Sounds and like there were like, like I said, there were really no members, so it wasn't like let's go to a member's home and eat it's dinner so and, and talk to them. It was you know maybe two members, and so and it would get dark, you know, oh, in the man. winter it'd get dark at like two p.m. Yeah, and so we would just walk the streets, try to find people. But it was it was amazing Ooh. how many people, just incredible people, we did find that were just hungry and ready for the gospel and. We saw it just really, really blossom. How many missions are there now? Do you know? Well, they've consolidated it down. You know, they, there were more, and they consolidated some of the the, the, the challenges with Putin. And technically, yeah. now you're not a missionary oh, that's right. there. You're, service. you're a volunteer. Yeah, volunteer. That's right. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, but your initial question, Russian speaking, it, it took me probably four months to get because I got really rusty in San Francisco. Yeah, I just wasn't using it a ton, even though we were technically teaching Russians. You're not fully immersed. But uh, it was frustrating, you know, one of those things where you a couple months in and you're cold and um, you get homesick and you're struggling with the language and you want to come home. But then it starts, you know, then it just started clicking. And, Sounds all too familiar. Yeah, we've all been there. Right. It's a rough Christmas. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> the first Christmas was a rough one. <laughs> yeah. But you wouldn't trade it for anything, would you? No, nah, it, was, it was just it was such a great life-changing experience, right? You just learn leadership you learn about the gospel you learn about just gutting it out and um yeah, yeah i wouldn't trade for anything yeah so what how'd you find this one here yeah so after we got home um the lord knew they knew i knew i need a lot of help right mm -hmm. so we had no doubt we had i don't know how many connection points but one of my best friends from my mission uh was also from vegas new bethany so technically introduced us um but then also we had, what, two? How many classes did we have? Two classes. We had two classes yeah. that just we happened to have. Um, and then we always studied on the same floor of the library. So I would see her 
all the time. And I'm like, gosh, what a, what so a beautiful, you what a beautiful girl. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we were, and then I can't remember, well, and then we kind of met each other and we were just friends, honestly, for a long time and, um, really good friends. And, uh, but she was one, I would say this, I've told her this before, so she's not hearing it for the first time on a podcast <laughs> right away after meeting her, I knew this was someone I could marry. I didn't necessarily know I would marry her, but I'm like, this is, she's such a good person. She checks all the boxes. She checks all the boxes. We were, she would laugh at my jokes. None of, the, none of the other girls would laugh. I'm like, she laughs at the jokes, beautiful girl. And I could tell she was just a, a really good person. And so I'm like, gosh, this is someone I could marry. And, but we were friends and it was hard, hard for me. I wasn't a shy person. I just didn't date a ton. Mm-hmm. And so it was hard for me to make that transition from being friend to then saying, Hey, let's, let's start dating. And fortunately we did make that transition and eight kids later, here we are. <laughs> Beth, oh, sure what did I, Beth, you have yeah. fill in some details, fill, fill in the good details and what I missed. And he summed that up very well. He's, it was a little awkward because we were such good friends from the very beginning to the point where we'd get together to study, not study for a class and just visit the whole time and ask each other, oh, what did you do over the weekend? Oh, I went on this date. I went on this date, blah, 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 blah. So you were really, not even knowing it. Yeah. 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 People would yeah. joke like, oh, so, so who, yeah. who's your girlfriend? I'm like, oh, no, no, she's dating someone else. Yeah. Oh, we even got the, so are you guys engaged yet? When we had not gone on a date yet because we would just yeah. see people saw us together all the time and <laughs> really just so truly what friends. Switched? What switched? What switch to where you decide, oh, maybe we'll <laughs> what did Actually, this I know they did it for me. So my family <laughs> went to Mexico City for 10 days, the end of my freshman year. It was a big trip my family had <clears throat> planned. My grandpa's Mexican, and so he had wanted us to t- wanted to take us out there just to see the city, see the temple, meet some of his family out there. And um, so there I was right before finals. So I, I joined my family, took this big trip, and... Every other time I had dated somebody and separated like that, I ended up breaking up with them. It was kind of, yeah. wow, why am I with that guy? Yeah. Here I'm out here having a great time. Forget it. Broke up with him. This time, here I wasn't even dating Nate, and I just kept thinking, oh, my goodness, I missed this guy. I'd never missed anybody before ever. Yeah. And I re- that's when I realized I thought, oh, my goodness, like, I think I'm in love with this guy. And that's what did it for me. I thought this awesome. is this is somebody I really, really want to be with. So I love that. So yeah. who told who? Who started who? Who, started who went on it first? I think so I did. Who said, hey, probably... Can we just like want a date? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I, I definitely did that. But he good. definitely did. And I kind of wanted to brush it off because I thought is he really telling me he really likes me? What if he's not? Now I'm jumping the gun and it was awkward, but I thought I better not blow this. And so I even asked for clarification. What do you mean? What are your you really like me. me? <laughs> I know poor guy, poor guy, but we got past it. And then we stood up from that bench. I think I remember what bench it was on BYU campus. Mm-hmm. And we still didn't hold hands to the car. It was awkward. <laughs> we were too good friends. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. It was it's a big weird. transition, Gary. <laughs> That's awesome. But like Nate said, eight, eight kids later, we got over it. We, and we then, definitely got uh, over it. Married in the Vegas Temple. Yes. Awesome. Yes. That's a beautiful yeah. temple. Yeah. So we're hitting. We'll hit twenty-four years. Twenty-four years. Eight kids July. later. Yep. Uh, really big van. Aren't we hitting twenty-five? Yeah. <laughs> 
I think you told me that. That's okay. the only reason I we'll think. We'll say 25. Maybe I've got to step up the anniversary. <laughs> 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 I'll yeah. another year Just before we'll make 25. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. We're hitting 25. We're hitting 25. Okay, there we go. And so he Nate, knew it before I did. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, tell me what you do for a living. Yes, I'm in uh, banking. I work for Wells Fargo Bank. Been there, gosh, almost 17 years. I head up their commercial bank, corporate bank for for the state of Utah. And so it's really just financing businesses, to put it simply. Been doing it a long time. Like it's fun because you get to learn a lot about businesses and the risks and and um, you get to see all the numbers. You get to see all the numbers and you know what drives value and um, yeah. and really understanding what could undermine a business and what creates wealth. And you also get to meet a lot of really smart and good people that are behind those businesses and, and develop relationships and, and friendships and, and, and stuff like that. So it's a, my, my role over time has really shifted more from like, you know, being behind the scenes of more of an analytical person that was really number crunching and putting together spreadsheets to now really more of a, a networker and, and a connector in the market, um, driving, you know, business and relationships for the bank and, and creating visibility as, as a market executive. So tell us how many times you went skiing last year. Not as many as I'd like, maybe 20, maybe 20, 25. And that's part of his work. Yeah. So, so a lot of it is entertaining. He's a relationship guy. Entertaining clients. I, you know, I, I need a loan. Yeah, that's right. We need, we need to do business here, Tyler. I don't know who your bank is, but they're obviously not Zion's taking care of you. Zion's getting the boot. Yeah, they're not taking care of you. But yeah, that's a big part of what we do, right, is is uh, not just the lunches or the dinners, but um, just connecting with people. And so yeah, they well, feel like they're, they're in a relationship. And some of that is, you know, golfing, skiing. Yeah. Um, just fun stuff like that. So it's, so a, it's a good game. Did you, what'd you graduate in? So my undergrad was in Russian. Okay. I think I had a business minor, if I remember. And then, and then I worked for a couple of years as a consultant in the banking sector in, in Los Angeles when a bunch of banks were buying other banks and consolidating. Banks would hire us to go in and do due diligence on the banks they were looking to buy. And so we would look at it and go, gosh, how healthy is this bank? And it was fascinating. I was young and I learned a ton about banks. That, there was nothing tied to the original First Security Bank, was there? When First Security was bought out by Wells Fargo? Now, I, 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 I was really only focused on, on LA banks at that okay. time. Uh, but you're right, that was in 2000. Um, and I was in consulting at that time, doing that, but just not here in Utah, unfortunately. Mm, gotcha. that, that would have been fun to see. But yeah, you're right, Wells Fargo did purchase First Security. Yeah. Uh, so it's part of the bank now. Um, and, uh, and then I went to grad school in, gotcha. uh, in, in uh, MBA with a, with a focus in corporate finance. There you go. Yeah. And then right out of that, uh, started with Wells Fargo in Los Angeles. So Bethany, what did you study at BYU? Sociology. Oh, wow. Well, that came yeah. in handy. That comes yeah. in a lot yeah. handy. Yeah. She's using it on the kids all the time. <laughs> they don't even know it. Yeah. We've got yeah. an amazing family. And we'll oh, have a lot you. of uh, young families listening to this. Mm -hmm. You got some advice on raising great kids? Go ahead, Beth. You've done a great <laughs> job. Well, we appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Sheesh. Um, I remember my mom telling me, I had overhear my mom saying this, raise your kids so you like them because if you don't like them, nobody else will be able to stand them. <laughs> And you know what? She, that was good advice because <laughs> uh, it's 
And it's, it's funny because you guys are parents, you know, the liking doesn't come naturally all the time. Mm -hmm. So, um, but anyway, having that in the back of my mind, and I feel like my parents did a good job with that. We all pretty much got along. I mean, there are personality differences and things for sure, but, um, I feel like I grew up in a family where for the most part people got along and a couple outliers maybe, (laughs) but, um, we try to do that the same with our family, really, raise them in a way that we like them. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much, this isn't really a parenting podcast. But, <laughs> no, but uh, like hearing advice. Yeah. We yeah. asked Shirley Hart, or Shirley Hart the other, last week, Yeah. her secret. Uh-huh. She said, I spanked him. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We certainly did some of that, especially with our olders. It's been interesting to see. I mean, our oldest was 15 when our youngest was born. Yeah. yeah. So a lot changes in that. And there's some things I look back at and think, oh, we probably didn't need to do that. I'll tell you, though, my oldest two were trial by fire, let me tell you. Yeah. Those two broke us in. I mean, right off the shoot, Abrahamic test as far as parenting <laughs> goes. They were, they were tough. They so were you tough two kids. We only have we one, have one just yeah. one, your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll be yeah. grandparents in March. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Young grandparents. Wow. Yes. Thank you. Young <laughs> grandparents. Super excited about that. So, Beth, why don't you, uh, Bethany, why don't you tell us about your uh, kind of your spiritual journey? You know, how you first really came to know what you know about the gospel uh, and your testimony, and, and maybe just tell us a little bit about that. My spiritual journey. I feel like I'm a natural believer. Uh, so, you know, I, I grew up in a family that went to church, talked about the gospel at home, um, read the scriptures most of the time. We definitely went through times where we weren't doing that. But we definitely, I mean, it was a gospel-centered home, and I was a believer. I believed it. Now, growing up, I've definitely had some moments in my life where it went from believing to knowing and experiencing myself. And some of that came about by teaching. I feel like uh, I taught gospel doctrine. It's interesting, the two books that I had to cover were the books that I was least familiar with. It was... um, That's how it works. Yeah, for sure. I did The End of Doctrine and Covenants, and then I did a chunk of Old Testament. And I remember going into the lesson on the martyrdom and I had studied a lot for that lesson, and it's fascinating reading. I love, I love history anyway, so it was really easy for me to study that, and I really was enjoying it. But I felt a lot of kind of pressure that week, and I just felt a little bit unsettled going into that lesson. I remember Sunday morning, I prepared a lot, and I had the information down. And I remember being in sacro meeting, still feeling a little bit unsettled about the lesson, and knowing I did the time, knowing I did the studying, And it really hit me, you haven't asked if Joseph Smith is a prophet. And here's the thing, I never felt like I had to because I was one of those believing kids. Sure. I grew up believing Joseph Smith was a prophet. I believed everything I heard about him. Sure. But in that sacrament meeting, it really, I mean, God told me I had not asked for a testimony. So in that moment, in the middle of sacrament meeting, I asked right there, okay, so help me out here. You know, obviously, he wanted me to know for myself. And in that moment, I just said a prayer and sacrament meeting, and I got this overwhelming feeling that absolutely, undoubtedly, I knew for myself in that moment, Joseph Smith was a prophet of God. And 
I went in and I gave that lesson and it's an emotional lesson to give. I mean, you know, you're talking about two men who gave their lives to the gospel, literally. I mean, while they were alive and then sealed their testimony with their blood. It's very, very powerful, very emotional. I even had, I had borrowed, Nate had done the same lesson in a different ward and I borrowed his idea of having somebody come in and, and sing A Poor Wayfaring Man of Grief because that was the song they sang in the jail. And we had a beautiful musician in our ward. He was a musician by profession. And so he came and he, he played and sang some of the verses for us. And it's really beautiful. And then I felt like ending up with that story that I said, look, I was really kind of nervous. And, and I, I don't really get nervous teaching typically. I'm pretty comfortable with that. But I told them, I said, I really felt nervous. And I initially I thought it was just the subject matter, that this was a really big lesson. I said, but I, I learned this in sacrament meeting and I was able to bear my testimony that I knew, not that I believed, but I knew Joseph Smith was a prophet. So I've had different moments in my life like that where I feel, I know, I know God communicates with us. I know that. I felt it many, many times in my life. Sometimes like that, just inviting me to dig a little deeper and come to know on my own. And sometimes, uh, where I've had a power, uh, a testimony of the power of prayer my whole life, and we've had some experiences in our lives where prayer literally saved either our family from tragedy or um, just horrible, horrible experiences. So anyway, I guess it's just been these little moments that have all been building blocks to me that I know God communicates with us. I know He knows us. I know He he knows what's coming up. Another quick one um, was when Luke was born. So our youngest, a lot of people know this, but probably not everybody, but our youngest was a preemie. He was born 12 weeks early, spent 10 weeks in the hospital, and having seven kids at home already, it's never easy. It's not going to be easy if it's your first. It's not going to be easy if it's your last. It's, it's never an easy situation. But I remember, um, first of all, I had suffered three miscarriages before I got pregnant with Luke. There were some health issues I was dealing with. And when I, when I saw the positive test with Luke, I knew we were going to have this baby. And when I would talk to friends and tell them that, I know I'm going to have this baby. And then I would always say, I'm not saying there's not going to be anything, any problems. And every time I said that, it was like somebody was telling me. But don't expect there to be no problems. And every other pregnancy, you know, there's some pregnancy issues, but everybody was born full term and healthy. Every time I said that, it was like somebody was telling me. And I had a couple other experiences that I knew God was teaching me a lesson for something coming up. And I, to the point where I even wondered, what is going to happen that God wants me to learn this lesson right now? And then one day at 27 weeks along, my water broke. I had to go to the hospital. I didn't even know it was my water. It was kind of a slight thing, but I knew there was an issue. They sent me to the hospital. I drove myself. This yeah. is a mother of seven. Nate was already gone There's for the day. <laughs> you know what it was uh your boss was in town um, and he had early morning meetings he had taken the kids to seminary and just went straight to meetings and i'm always an optimist anyway and i'm thinking i'm gonna go they're gonna check me out and they're gonna send me home so sure. no problem i can drive myself and i got there and after they ran some tests i had a nurse come to me and say you are not leaving this hospital without a baby wow and i just remember thinking whoa that came from nowhere, and um, but in that moment, I knew this is what he'd been 
he'd been preparing me for. All those little experiences I had had, I knew in that moment, okay. And I also relaxed. I thought, God knew. Mm. And here's my thing. If God knows and I know God knows, I'm on board. Well, is there, on board what is there it. to worry about? Exactly. And I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. I didn't know if I was going to be in the hospital for three months on bed rest or, you know, or a week on bed rest. It turned out to be a week. He was born just one week later. We were hoping we'd make it the 13 weeks, but we didn't. Um, but it was okay. It was okay. I didn't know how he was going to be, but I, I was okay with whatever because I knew God knew. So we've, anyway, experiences like that that have really well, just sealed the deal for me. I have to just stop you for a second because I feel it very important to just recognize, you know, when the Spirit testifies of truth. And, and you know, there's no doubt right now that, that I, I, I really do feel it right now hearing mm -hmm. these experiences. And uh, thank you for sharing. I mean, oh, these, are, these are really, really good. Oh, I'm glad And uh, it, it makes yeah. me uh, even stronger in my, in my faith. So thank oh, you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That's absolutely cool. Yeah. What about Nate? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in a, in, a, in a great family. I was really blessed. Um, kind of like Finding Beth, I think the Lord just wanted to help me from not messing up too much. And so I was, I was born into a very faithful family. My parents were wonderful parents. And, um, you know, I, I knew from a young age they loved the gospel and loved the Savior and um, so I was tremendously blessed that way. Um, but I was, um, you know, I look back in hindsight and go, gosh, I really should have taken advantage more of, of, yeah. of you know, such a gospel-centered home and really learning. Um, you were a knucklehead, too. I was a knucklehead, yeah. And, um, and so I was a little bit of a slacker that way, really kind of learning the gospel. And, um, and I remember, uh, and like Bethany too, I think I've, I've always kind of been a believer. I, there was no, nothing I really ever doubted. I just, I just wasn't, I, I didn't have a great knowledge of the gospel, I think, like I should have, even at that age. Um, my senior year wasn't going to seminary, and we had early morning seminary, and, you know, I, was, I had sports and a bunch of different stuff, and it just wasn't a priority for me. And I know that was tough on my parents, and, and my dad, who was, you know, just wonderfully patient, um, decided like why don't we instead of if you have an issue going to seminary why don't we meet together one-on-one -on -one yeah. early in the morning and and so we did that and so i had a one-on-one -on -one with my dad i can't remember how long uh, seemed like months at the time we would just meet one-on-one -on -one and just go through the gospel morning? yeah how cool was that and and i just remember even as a you know senior in high school like as I really understood the plan of salvation, and this is really how my, you know, I think for me, my testimony really came together. Learning the plan of salvation and the atonement and how everything came together, to me it was like a puzzle being put together. And I finally saw these pieces being put together. And maybe, you know, I knew a little bit in isolation here, a little bit, but it never fit together for me until I really, really studied the gospel. And my dad took the time to do it. And, and I remember two distinct feelings. One, I remember asking my dad, going, how does everyone not believe this? Mm. It just rings true. The second feeling of the Spirit was, I have always known this. That, you know, that the veil really drawing thin of like, this is absolutely true. I've always known this. And how come everyone doesn't believe this? Um, and so that was a great catalyst for me, you know, going into college. Um, my mission obviously was an incredible um, opportunity for me to, to strengthen that. And so, um, that, that was that was a great experience, um, and so for me that was that was um, 
you know, really um, kind of my, my spiritual development was a lot of, you know, just the stuff I learned at home with my parents and then learning on my own. I think my parents did a great job of, you, you know, you have to study on your own too, right? You have to put in your work. And I remember as a, as a, as a kid watching my dad and my mom too, but really my dad too, just, he would study, you know, the scriptures and he was a great attorney, a brilliant mind, but he would study the scriptures. Um, and he would write, he would force himself to articulate different, and he would just study topics, right. And he would make himself write it. And, and I remember he was, you know, he was just legal pad and he'd be writing and writing and writing. He'd sit down by the fireplace on the ground and just write and write. And when he was working on his, uh, a book, The Infinite Atonement, um, at the time, you know, we were like, what are you working on all the time? And he, you know, he gave a lot of talks. He'd be like, well, it's probably a talk. Or then it kind of shifted into like, that's a long talk, right? Well, maybe like an article. Yeah. And then, and then over time it was like, well, maybe I'll a book. submit a book. And, and the reason I bring that up, the lesson to me was this is a guy who put in the work, right? He wasn't just a smart guy. Uh, he was very smart, but it wasn't just that. He put in the work. And so I saw that as a kid, like, hey, I want, I want to be like my parents. I want to be like my dad. And just because I have his genes doesn't mean I'm you know, going to be just like him. I want to be like him. And to do that and to have that testimony, you got to put in the hard work. you got to read the scriptures. you got to pray and do all those things. They were great about doing family home evening. you know. And as a kid, we kind of hated it sometimes, but we would do it. And... Um, those are just, you know, great lessons for me that always, you know, stood with me that when I'm a father and a husband that hopefully, you know, we can use the same pattern. So much to unpack and learn from just that right there, what you've just shared. Um, I mean, you just skipped right over real quick, The Infinite Atonement, but that's been a book that has transformed how many people? Um, and, and, you know, that, that's, you know, you were part of that journey. Yeah. Right. And how cool is that? And then I remember going um, and your dad did a fireside where he talked about the uh, evidences of the, the book other book, which yeah. is evidences of the Book of Mormon. I yeah. think. Mm -hmm. And uh, for those of you that haven't gone down these rabbit holes, I won't come, but just these really cool adventures, I would say go down those two books and go down that that hole in that 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 direction, because it'll open up. I know that, you know, it changed a lot of people's lives, just the, uh, the fireside, um, that he came to in our stake and did on the, on the book of Mormon, the evidence of the book of Mormon. And, and when I was there, I was like, ah, oh, I need so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so to be here. Yeah. I mean, that's overwhelmingly what, what you feel. And, uh, so the question is, is, uh, are you working on your book? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll let my dad handle all that. <laughs> He's got a gift for making it. So simple and understandable. Yeah, yeah. he presents that. And he, he does. He kind of puts out a question and he answers it. Yeah, but I love the story how he was inspired on what to do with you. You know, you weren't yeah. going to seminary, but he he thought he became the seminary teacher. Yeah, that, yeah that's he did. Awesome. It was, and what effect that had on you? Yeah, no, and, and just maybe cool. to your, your earlier question, Gary, that Beth Beth answered really well, but just raising kids, and I think it's you know as as parents, right, the best we can to to not be afraid to teach the gospel, mm -hmm. right? To pe teach pure doctrine. And um, Bethany's parents did the same thing, but it was a great blessing to us, right? That they were, you know, our, they really tried to make the home a gospel-centered home where we learned 
the gospel. And I think, you know, we've tried to do that, you know, for, for a long time, we were not great at reading the Book of Mormon as a family. And I don't know how many years ago we had mission, two system missionaries, like really challenge us to, to do it every single day. And, and so we committed to that. And I feel like we've pretty much done it every single day, you know, with the kids. And how do you do it? Early in the morning, or yeah, great dinner? question. We we do it typically at, after dinner. Okay. Yeah, I know some people do it in the morning. Just for us, it worked better. We did we do it at night. And sometimes it's maybe one verse. You know, sometimes it may be thirty to forty five minutes, and it's just this great discussion, right? Other times it may be fighting to get kids over, but you know we tried to commit to do it, and and so I just think it's a great thing as a you know that we as a parent at least try to have some consistency around that, and I think. You may not see the results or the benefits immediately, but it pays dividends, I think, over time. And so that's, I think, been a tremendous blessing to our family. There's no doubt. Any other things that come to mind, Bethany, about maybe your spiritual journey and maybe times where you've had a trial of your faith that you've struggled or, you know, anything else come to your guys' mind? That's a good question. I don't feel like I've gone through many faith crises or anything but I do feel like I've learned some things the hard way yeah and uh, specifically just learning the language of the spirit we've tried to teach our kids and they, they're gonna have to figure this out on their own but we've tried to give them a little bit of a head start and letting them know that the spirit speaks to each person differently I mean, sometimes it can be the same as somebody but but you've got to figure out what that looks like for you and what that sounds like for you. And I, I've certainly learned that and by making some mistakes and not realizing, confusing my own thoughts with the spirit and that kind of thing and realizing um, later. Um, I love the story of President Monson when he was Bishop Monson and he was told by the spirit to leave that meeting. You guys familiar with yeah. that one? Yep. Yeah, and he kind of negotiated with the spirit, putting it off, just saying it's going to look a little bit weird if I... If I'm a bishop and I'm leaving this priesthood meeting early, so finally decided I'll leave after the speaker, but before the closing him, and he did, and he missed the death of a gentleman in his ward by seconds, yeah. and it devastated him. But to me, that's a happy story because the man ends up as prophet, and to me, that just shows that God will work with us, and I have felt him work with me. I have felt him give me grace for my mistakes and realize that that's a part of learning and, and as I've learned that, I have really, really tried to listen, hear, and then act, even if it looks like the answer you're getting looks crazy to everybody else. And we've had that happen to us. I love that. Um, we have had that happen to us. Our, I'll tell you the very short version. Some people have heard the long version already. But our older daughter was engaged to a young man before she found her husband. And that first young man was no good. He was really a, a terrible person. We did not know it. And um, they, the relationship was moving extremely quickly. And Nate and I were uncomfortable with it for a lot of reasons. But every time we prayed about it, the answer came back to us, support, support, support. And that is exactly how it came to us, support, support, support. It didn't look like a good match between the two of them. He didn't see, feel like a great fit for our family. And I'll be honest, we like people. Our default is we like people. We were trying so hard to like this guy. And we got along with him, but we weren't really liking him. And um, 
it was, uh, it was an interesting experience to not feel like this is something that would be a good fit for us, but to keep getting that same answer, support, support, support. And we did. So when they told us, okay, we're going to get married. Okay, we're, we want to move up the wedding to a month away. Okay, and every time, yep. support, support, support. And we went along with everything. And long story short, if we had not supported her through that, she would not have been able to get out of that. And we found out some things later after she did get out of it. We, the whole story opens up and we hear how abusive and horrible this relationship was. And she had to get out of it on her own. I mean, it's one of those things, God sees everything, right? And yeah. he knew. He knew everything behind the scenes. It would have been no good for us if we had known earlier. We would have, we would have torn in there like those parents to rip them up. And then we would have been the bad guys that were breaking up this love relationship. Anyway. So the language of the spirit that you yes. spent your whole life studying. Well, trying to. Right. Trying to. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like practicing as, any a, language. as an attorney, right? Yeah. Or any language yeah. Russian. Or, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's not easy. No. no. And you will make mistakes. We do yeah. tell our kids that. You'll make mistakes. But learn from I, I, I have to tell you that, you know, Bethany always, like, she gives a spiritual thought maybe in work counsel. And, or I just hear her say something, bear a testimony. And every single time I'm like, does Bethany... Like, she seriously studies the gospel, like, every day. Yeah, and I, I'm just convinced of that. Yeah. So it's true, right? Yeah, she does. I mean, and, and there's so much to learn from that. A couple hours. Right? Well, there's so much to learn from that. Good teacher, too. Right? I love that. Any other questions? And I'll finish with the last big one. Well, we just love your family. You know, no, we, we love, love you guys. guys. We, we love, love you guys. We love, we love, so you guys. We love the board. We love the neighborhood. We feel blessed we love you everything. moved in. Well, we, oh, feel we feel like here. we hit the jackpot. We didn't know anything about Olympus Cove. No. Thank you. Yeah, you we had no idea. We just yeah, we all kind of hit the jackpot. Found it on Google oh, Maps, and we're like, goodness. that looks like a convenient commute downtown. And yeah. by the we mountains. saw the mountains. Well, we were and... praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Well, we are so happy you did because we love it here so much. We never want to move. It's fantastic. No. All right, I'm going to ask this to Nate first, and Bethany, you get to you get the chance of thinking more about the answer. But <clears throat> so one of the reasons that we're doing this is for family history and. Uh, putting it into family search on the website eventually to where in a hundred years, a hundred years from now, long after we're gone, your great, 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 great grandkids uh, will listen to this very, very podcast. Um, what do you want them to know about Nate? Yeah, great question. Hopefully they would know that I love the Savior you know, that I have a, a testimony of the restored gospel and uh, did all I could during this life to, you know, be a good resource and tool in the hands of the Lord uh, to spread the gospel and to help other people. And um, I could say that my great, great, great grandfather loved, loved the church and loved the gospel and he loved his family and uh, did all he could to, you know, endure to the end. I love that. That's a good one. Bethany? That was the first thing I thought of too. Is you I can't, can't repeat it. You gotta do something different. <laughs> no repeats. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe a little more evangelically. I was thinking, I love the Lord, and I, I really do. I love the Lord, and in addition to that, I would say, I absolutely know that God knows what's best. If He's telling us to do it, if He's asked us to do it, if He's, if if we're led just to, to somewhere or something, or to behave a certain way, or to say something, it's in our best interest. And I absolutely know that. So just do it. Do it. Do it. Thank you so yeah. much. This has been fantastic. Love it. Thank you.